to another exciting installment of Live Free Now. Live Free Now, where we're always bringing you the news, views, and tools you can use to live a more free and prosperous life every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Today we have an exciting show. We've got John Popola, who is of, of note for making what I think are essentially the only rap videos about two dead economists. Keynes and Hayek. You may have seen these. You may not have. Just go YouTube it. I mean, you can Google Keynes and Hayek and it shows up on the first page. I mean, these are some outstanding pieces of work that uh, talk about and educate on economics in a very uh, up to date, uh, modern way through the use of video. And 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 uh, John's an interesting guy used to work for MTV, Nickelodeon, Spike TV. He's now an Austin resident. And Austin, again, we are trying to make that the bastion of freedom in the south so uh chalk one more up for austin but uh i'm here today john bush not here with me today uh so i'm going it alone but i will have john popola here in studio today and we do want to take your calls in the second half of the show 512-458-TALK 512-458-8255 now what i want to ask is have we beat the tsa to death on this show because if you recall, I broke the story about when the TSA took my Trader Joe's soup, they confiscated it, $2.49 worth of soup, and it was a serious issue because you can't get Trader Joe's here in Austin, Texas, unfortunately. So they took my soup, and ever since then, we've been ranting against the TSA, and uh, we've been talking about the TSA, we've been tracking what's been going on here in Texas, trying to nullify the TSA here in Texas. And of course that went down in flames. Uh, I have it on good uh, information that Rick Perry, though he, uh, you know, wrote a book on fed up talking about how he's so against the madness of the federal government. And uh, you know, he's kind of becoming the potential uh, fair haired one, the anointed candidate of the Republicans if he enters the race. But I have it on good information that behind the scenes, he wanted to kill this thing. And it got killed, and uh, you know, uh, it was a it was a bipartisan scheme to kill this thing because nobody wanted to stand up other than David Simpson and some people who were were with him in this fight to nullify the TSA. They backed down when the federal government said we're going to turn Texas into a no fly zone. And so, I just want to rant a little bit more about the TSA because I got an article here: TSA worker put stolen iPad in his pants. Now, I don't know how something like that could go unnoticed. This guy's a little brazen to stick an iPad down his pants. I don't know if these were some oversized cargo pants or what, but uh, apparently this guy was stealing things from passengers and selling them on Craigslist. Uh, apparently over $50,000 worth of passengers' possessions over a six-month period uh, mostly electronics, but the iPad down the pants is is always, uh, you know, that's a classic maneuver there. So again, one reason why we say, look, the TSA has got to go, not just because they like to uh, feel us up and they like to uh, irradiate our bodies, but also because they like to stick our Apple products down their pants. At least, I don't know what's worse, that he stuck it down his pants and he kept it or if he would have stuck it down his pants and then returned it to the luggage, that would have been kind of weird to know that this thing had been down a dude's pants. But anyway, another thing I want to bring up that we did talk about, I think, a couple of weeks ago was 
Texas profits from items confiscated by TSA. Yes, and this is happening in many states, I imagine, but in 2010, $300,000 from the sale of items confiscated by TSA agents. Many snow globes and, and other things. In fact, uh, they tried to get a snow globe for me once, and I stuck it down my pants and went through the screeners, and they didn't catch me. I'm admitting that on the radio. So it wasn't an iPad, but it was my snow globe. And if it was my iPad, I could stick it down my pants, but I could stick a snow globe down my pants because I didn't want to throw it away because they want to take my snow globe that my eight-year-old son you know, bought on a trip, and they wanted me to mail it back to myself, some ridiculous stuff. So again, the TSA, what they're doing is either individuals, they say, oh, here's just a bad apple. Well, I think we're finding that this barrel is full of bad apples. Either the TSA agents themselves are taking the items or the TSA is making us willfully surrender. That's what they call it because they don't confiscate it. They, we willfully surrender. We fly or we don't fly based on whether we'll willfully surrender our snow globe. So again, that's a way that they're, they're trying to uh, fund government right now. Uh, so, and, and, and in the midst of all of this, you've got this article from Think Progress where they talk about how Ron Paul's so crazy that he might bl- he blames 9/11 on government prohibition of guns from being on an airplane. Now, that's a sensational uh, headline. And of course, Ron Paul does not say that at all. But what Think Progress says is they say, can you believe this guy, Ron Paul, who he wants to, uh, you know, basically abolish the TSA, and he makes the case that if pilots maybe had guns, that they could, you know, you know, defend the plane from guys with box cutters. I don't know. That sounds pretty reasonable to me. And I mean, and let's think about this. What's the harm in pilots having guns? I mean, these are the guys flying the planes to begin with. So what danger is it? I mean, they're the ones that the pilots could do whatever they want to that plane. Obviously, they screen these guys to make sure that they could fly a jetliner. So would it be such a bad thing to maybe give them some guns? So they could, you know, fight against, you know, potential terrorists who have a box cutter or nail files or things like that. And, and this thing, progress article is kind of funny because they're, they're like, what does Ron Paul want the free markets? He wants these corporations to be able to, uh, you know, profile minorities and keep them from flying. Yeah. Like that would even be in the best interest. Let's see. All of the major airlines, what they're going to want to do is they're going to racially profile and keep minorities from flying planes because that's their customer after all. So again, this is a great article just to see how how crazy some of the arguments are made against either privatizing the TSA uh, or security services in the hands of the actual airlines, the ones who have the most vested interest in making sure that these jetliners aren't taken over. And uh, so that's that's something to think about. Uh, I want to leave you with a real quick thought that we're going to follow up on after the break. But here it is. Tea Party people, you, you, you say government doesn't listen to you. You made a lot of noise in 2010, you know, sweeping through Congress. Congress has introduced the Reduce America's Debt Now Act of 2011. This, they're listening. They want to lower the debt, but you will be amazed to find out how they want to lower the debt 
and how you might be involved in this. This is Jason Rink. This is Live Free Now. Stick around. We got John Papola, the master of economics rap videos, coming right up. Jason Rink and John Bush here to introduce you to a brand new sponsor of the Live Free Austin radio show, Enerfood. Yeah, Jason, Enerfood is a powder mix of various green superfoods which utilizes all natural and organic ingredients in order to provide you the boost of energy you need to make it through the day. That's right. With ingredients like organic spirulina, organic chlorella, and organic barley and wheatgrass, you're sure to catch a buzz on life after drinking this mix. Best of all, it's made with non-heated ingredients. It's gluten-free and caffeine-free, so you'll get the best of what nature has to offer. No funny genetically modified nonsense. So check out enterfood.com or call 1-866-762-9238 to learn more about this green superfood powder and also check out their other invigorating health mixes and coffees. That's right. Enterfood isn't the only thing in the Enter Health Botanicals lineup. You got to check out the organic coconut powder and organic skincare lines. Go ahead and give it a try. Call 1-866-762-9238 or visit enterfood.com today. And Tell them Live Free Austin sent you. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait, there's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. Round 2.0. Same economists, same beliefs. New microphones, new mustaches. Recession, thanks to me, as you see, we're not in a depression. Recovery, destiny, if you follow my lesson, Lord Kane's here I come, line up for the procession. We brought out the shovels and we're still in a ditch and still digging. Don't you think it's time for a switch from that hair of the dog? Friend, the party is over. The long run is here. It's time to get sober. Are you kidding? My cure works perfectly fine. Have a look, the Great Recession ended back in 09. I deserve credit. Things would have been worse. All the estimates prove it. I'll quote chapter and verse. Econometricians are ever so biased. Are they doing That's real right. science or confirming That's right. their bias? The economy. Their it's are out of recession. Feet, you can feel it, people. Is a fatal yeah, this is a pretty sweet track. We like it here at Live Free Now. We're here every week. Live Free Now, LiveFreeNowRadio.com. That is a track from the new Fight of the Century Kane's Hayek rap video by John Popola and Russ Roberts. Uh, so we're going to talk to John here. He's here in studio with us. But I just wanted to follow up on something real quick before we jump into that. 
Congress wants automatic wage deductions to pay down the debt. Now, this is interesting. You know, this reminds me of John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. See, the problem is, is we haven't had a convenient way to donate money to the federal government to pay down the debt. We need to be able to just check a box with our employer. That's what Reduce America's Debt Now Act of 2011 is is proposing. And here's the funniest part about it. If you would choose to donate money to pay down the federal debt, which will go right to the treasury, and we can rest assured it will go into a lockbox account that won't be touched for any other reason, only to pay down the debt. If you so happen to choose that, well, that donation will not be tax deductible. So you're going to use after-tax money to pay down the federal debt. You can obviously see why this is the type of, these are the hard-nosed, difficult solutions that we got those Tea Party candidates into Congress for so they could give us a way to easily pay down the debt ourselves. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, We will have too much government news at the end of the show, as we always have, as if we haven't already covered it. But again, there's just an endless number, too much government news. We also will be taking calls the second half of the show. If you want to call in and talk to John Popola, let me just tell you a little bit about him. You can find these videos we're talking about at econstories.tv. And a lot of videos there uh, about economics. Russ Roberts is there who does Econ Talk. It's a a great podcast. I recommend. But uh, John Popola recently just relocated here to Austin with his Emergent Order uh, production company. They're going to be producing a lot of of great work um, that is going to promote the cause of liberty, but also great work in general because he formerly worked uh, for MTV, Nickelodeon, Spike TV, And uh, so John is a guy who's been in the industry. He knows his way around a camera and he knows his way around apparently producing rap music videos at this point. John, we're happy to have you today. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Yeah. So uh, I remember when when the Kane's Hayek video first came out was totally what it's like two point five million views almost. Right. And, and, you know, it's let's let's just put it into context. This isn't a. A funny video uh, of somebody getting kicked in the crotch or, you know, Lady Gaga or anything like that. This is about serious economics. So I think we have to admit it's probably the most viewed economics rap video that's out there, if not the only one. Well, it's definitely the most viewed economics rap video. I think when you <laughs> qualify it that way, it I, we can say it with confidence. But 2.5 million views on that video is pretty good uh, in any genre, I would have to say. Were you surprised when it when it got, you know, when you look at it and you say, this has got that many views? I mean, what did you think when you guys launched this? Did you really think it was going to take off like that? Well, you know, you always want your work to sort of take off, to be popular, to go viral. You know, that's the goal. That's what you want to see happen. Um, we We felt pretty confident that we had something... Something, because before it was even released, PBS did a piece on it, on the making of it, and then we'd already lined up actually NPR's Planet Money team to do a piece on it. So there was a lot of sort of interest among, I don't know if you want to say the intelligentsia or the sort sure. of the news media, people that are interested in these issues and uh, and have a platform. So that gave us a little bit of a sense that something's here you know these these are these are people dealing with this stuff all the time and if there wasn't something that was going to grab 
an audience, they probably wouldn't have had much of an interest in it. Well, yeah, and and so why don't you just talk a little bit about uh, the genesis of this project as you're, you know, doing your thing there at Spike TV, producing uh, things for for cable, uh, for that cable channel. Um, how did this begin to sort of, uh, you know, become an idea that that then became what it is today? Well, you know, it started in 2007 because the uh, the presidential election was starting to ramp up. And I I was starting to get interested in politics again. I'd sort of backed off from it. You know, you you try to be productive and be an adult. Right. <laughs> you know, a, an actual productive member of the community. And that usually means not being too too connected to politics. Right. So, um, you know, I was turned on to Ron Paul. Right. And I was paying attention to the fact that he was out there talking about monetary policy, about the Federal Reserve, about interest rates, asset bubbles. And nobody else was all of the, all of the other candidates were laughing him off the stage saying he's a kook, all of the punditry, all of the commentary was like, this is just sort of like tinfoil hat stuff talking about the fed. It's the Bilderbergers and whatever. Right. Exactly. And then everything he was saying sort of happened and we had this horrible crash and now he's all over like MSNBC. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is, is, you know, when Ron Paul was, was running the primaries, you know, the economy wasn't really the issue at the beginning. And then he's out, but he'd put all that information out there. And then we're stuck with, you know, Obama and John McCain. And it's all about the economy. And these guys know, have absolutely no idea what's going on. And so Ron Paul comes off like a prophet a little bit when you look at that. So, you know, he's the one who started shining the light, or at least in your in your mind, that he's the one who started connecting some of these dots for you. So at that point, did you sort of go on a journey of self-education? Yeah, I mean, you know, I said, well, how is it that he's tapped into these issues? What's he reading? What's his source? And it's Austrian economics. Right. It's, it's the economics of Ludwig von Mises and F.A. Hayek. I mean, these were giants of... The profession, Hayek won his Nobel, a Nobel Prize for his mon- monetary theory and the theory of the business cycle. And yet they're totally forgotten. If you go to school, if you go to MIT for economics, you're not going to learn these guys. Right. And, and it, it's yeah, just and bizarre. So so now, I mean, we're in a place now, again, I'm a little fast forwarding, but I, you know, like Glenn Beck is doing hour long segments on Hayek, you know, so this has entered into at least another tier of of the culture and of the mainstream audience, even though it's not completely mainstream because uh, Keynesian economics still dominates uh, politics. And you guys do a great job of showing this sort of in the latest video, which is fight of the century, which has almost a million views. Now it's sort of the part two where you sort of show, uh, I don't know, some of the political, political connections and things like that. Well, I mean, you know, the, so obviously Keynesian economics is the idea that, Total spending in the economy is what matters, and it actually doesn't matter where that spending goes. Sure. So it can be on wars, digging ditches. You know, you hear, I mean, you hear very prominent people saying that, well, you know, the tsunami in Japan's terrible tragedy, but at least it might help their economy. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> if only we could have a few more tsunamis. Yeah. Well, we should just burn the entirety of the United States if that's true. I mean, it's a bizarre concept to say that destroying wealth is a pathway to making our lives better. Um. But they look at it as just it's spending. Whatever spurs people to take money out of their pockets and spend. And um, and there's a certain intuition about that at, at an individual level. You see a business and you're trying to have customers come in. And if fewer customers come in, if there's less demand for your products, you might have trouble. But um, but that is 
you know, economists call that like a fallacy of composition, like what works in that one instant doesn't apply across the board. And the reality is maybe customers aren't coming into your store because they're going somewhere else. Right. Because your product's not that good anymore or they bought too much of it. Say you say if you're maybe a, a producer of housing in Nevada, for example. Right, exactly. And uh, and so if you look at the economy as a whole, what you see is things shift around. People say, you know what? I don't need an, a third house. Right. I'm going to go <laughs> do something else with my money. Maybe pay for my grandmother's cancer treatment. And, you know, okay, you know, Real estate brokers in Nevada aren't going to turn into doctors overnight. Right. So when that shift takes place, there's going to be unemployment. There's going to be problems as people discover what to do. Right. And and so really, it's this I it's this misunderstood idea of the business cycle, the Austrian business cycle theory. We've talked about this on the show. We've had Robert Murphy and Thomas Woods on here a couple of times, and and talking about how you know. I, I forget what the uh, phrase is used in the in the latest video fight of the century, but this idea that economists can sort of have all of this knowledge and they can make these accurate predictions about what 310 million people do in a nation or a globe full of people like that they can somehow centrally manage this economy. Well, I mean, that's in a lot of ways the most important insight from Hayek, and it applies to so much of what government does, which is that, you know, it's where does the knowledge exist in an economy. You know, the way I actually like to think about it is if you've ever worked in a big company and a company that has different divisions that sort of specialize in certain areas of the business, whenever, whenever a corporate sends down some memo about the way they're going to streamline things, it never seems to apply to the way anybody's actually doing their job. Right. And that's because they're not on the ground level, talking to customers, dealing with the ins and outs of the business, they're looking at it from the top down and they're saying, okay, well, I see that like two different divisions have sort of duplicated, you know, processes. Let's just streamline that. Right. Even though they, they built that for a certain purpose. Right. So now if you apply that to say Obamacare. Right. Now you've got, like you said, a country of 300 million people and you're going to have one agency decide which, um, Healthcare processes are cost effective, right? With, I mean, you know, you, you if you go to a doctor with say something that's autoimmune, which is this sort of black box of medicine, right? They'll still any good doctor will tell you like every single patient is different, right? And yet, it's the fatal conceit of the politician, right? That from the top down, they can sort of take that bird's eye view and have their expert sort of technocrats, right? Turn the knobs. And make everything efficient for us. Well, and so what we're really dealing with in these in these videos, and again, we're going into the break. We're going to still have Jan Papola on the other side. And we want to talk about, okay, why are these ideas so important that we need to communicate them to get people to understand that there's another way to approach economics, the economy as a whole, to get us out of this recession that needs a voice. Why do we need to do this? through pop culture and why is that the key to really reaching the next generation we're going to talk to john popola about that stick around with us and call in if you have any questions for john it's 512-458-TALK 512-458-8255 this is jason rink this is live free now and we'll be right back
listen to the great sights and how you throwing down. We could have done better had we only spent more. Too bad that only happens when there's a world war. You can carp all you want about stats and regression. Do you deny World War II cut short the depression? Wow. One data point and you're jumping for joy. The last time I checked, wars only destroyed. There was no multiplier. Consumption just shrank as we used scarce resources for every new tank. Pretty perverse to call that prosperity. Ration meat, ration butter, a life of austerity. When that war spending ended, your friends cried disaster. Yet the economy thrived and grew faster. That's right. It's about destruction versus productivity. You know, this idea that never ceases to die is what is known as the broken window fallacy. You know, which, which when taken to its logical conclusion, you know, which is this idea that if I throw a brick through the, the baker's window and shatter it, he gives business to the guy who puts the glass in. And, well, hey, that's helping the economy. But what nobody sees is where that money would have been spent otherwise in the economy. And it's known as the forgotten man. And there's a lot of, a lot of ideas that are spawned from this broken window fallacy. And one of them is this idea that, you know, wars equal prosperity, that tsunamis, as ridiculous as that is, is somehow going to be good uh, for the economy worldwide and everything. When you take it to its logical conclusion, you look at that, makes no sense. But, but if that were true, what we should do is we should just go, we should riot, we should destroy as much uh, capital in this country as we could so that jobs would be created. It's absurd when you think about it. And yet we're here talking with John Popola today, who uh, is one of the masterminds behind uh, the Keynes Hayek rap videos and the music that we've been listening to. You know, John, you guys address it in here and, and Hayek addresses it well, where he talks about, you know, how World War II really didn't solve the economic problems as people want to say. They want to say, oh, well, that's what brought us out of the Great Depression and and that sort of thing. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I this is in some ways the most important thing in the song because, you know, there was a long time there where people said, and it was widely believed that FDR got us out of the Depression. Oh, the New Deal, which if you look at it was sort of a attempt to bring economic fascism to the United States. It was this top-down, like, creating cartels of all industry. Like, the, the New Deal has all kinds of bizarre things that most people don't appreciate. What they think is the New Deal is, oh, the workers, you know, the, the WPA and putting people back to work. Right. Uh, sweeping um, dust bowls. I mean, I don't know what they were right. doing. Um, but that actually has fallen out of favor. And it's it, it's there's still people that believe it because they're not up on history and they just, you know, repeat common knowledge. But for the most part now, the, the common knowledge, which is also wrong, is that, well, it wasn't really FDR because the Depression kept going straight through the 40s. It was World War II because mm -hmm. that, that marshaled enough spending to build all those tanks and to, and to you know, create all, that arm, all those armaments and all of that activity. And that's what got our animal spirits flowing again. And, and that's also false. I mean, that's, and, and again, it's for the reasons you mentioned that there's a cost Sure. To dumping scarce resources and into things like tanks. And it is sort of bizarre because on one hand, it should be obvious why unemployment went down to zero during the war. We drafted 10 million Americans. Right. So it's, I mean, we, we could reintroduce slavery today and that would end, we would have zero unemployment. Yeah, right. Exactly. If you're not employed, 
um, the, the jack boots are coming. You're right. gonna, you know, get ready and you're going to be employed. Not, right. not, not voluntarily. Right. Exactly. But, but isn't that, you know, we care about, isn't full employment the real goal people? Well, and then, and then the, the, you're touching on the idea that, you know, people in the employ of government, uh, to solve the unemployment problem, people, the government creating government jobs to give people jobs, you know, the, the final analysis is government doesn't have any money of its own, whether it's borrowing that money or extracting that money. And so it's an illusion. It's a, it's a temporal illusion that that lasts right now. And again, uh, at some point, that's got to be paid for. And so that doesn't even really make any sense when you think about it, because you're extracting that money from somewhere else in the economy, ultimately. I mean, you know, underneath um, underneath. Uh, so people. So one more thing about the war. So if the war didn't end the, the Great Depression. People say, well, then what ended the Great Depression? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, there's never a good answer to things because the economy is complicated. But I think the best answer I'm aware of is the passage of time. You know, when the war ended, you know, and this is really important for people out there who want to understand, well, is this just a debate between a bunch of eggheads and it'll never be resolved? Right. You know, before World War II ended, the consensus among Keynesian economists, people like Paul Samuelson, these were the titans. These were the big guys of, of this new Keynesian revolution. They were saying that the American economy was going to go into a worse depression than the 1930s because when the war spending ended, well, what's going to happen? Right. This collapse in spending and all of these troops coming home and it's just going to be a depression. There's going to be mass unemployment. The government's going to need to maintain spending through some kind of public works or some other project. Right. And that's exactly – and the opposite happened. Basically, government spending went from, uh, basically, was cut by two thirds. By I think nineteen forty seven, the government, the federal government was running a surplus. Right. Wow. And, and <laughs> unemployment never went above four percent. Right. And uh, ten million men come, came home, found work. Right. And it's just and 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 really, Keynesian economics should have died in nineteen forty eight, because the depression that never happened should have been the nail in the coffin for that right that philosophy if, if it has any predictive power 1948 should have been should have been worse than 1933 right and and in a lot of ways that it 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 sort of went underground i mean it it, it fell out of favor for a while but then it seems like whenever uh we get into a crisis and the the government and people clamor for solutions from government they always sort of go back to the same you know, trough of, well, we're going to go ahead and we're just going to spend and stimulate the economy, failing to remember that this was not the solution in the past. Well, you know, there's a, there's a dynamic there, which is obviously um, when you spend on a person, when you give somebody money, they benefit. Right. So it's concentrated benefits and dispersed costs. Yep. So that's, that's like democracy's great Achilles heel in a nutshell. Right. I'm going to go, I'm going to be president. You are going to reward me the 51% of the 40% who vote. Right. Which, you know, is right. that is that a majority of right. Americans, exactly. really? I mean, it's I, 20%. But yeah, you know, but you know right. let's never mind that. Let's just pr- pretend that that's reasonable. Right. Um, so I'm going to, re- I'm going to pick and choose a bunch of you as groups, give you money so that you vote for me again. And I'm going to spread it out over the entirety of the population through a mix of inflation and taxes and borrowing, which is right. just, bar, you know, taxes on our kids. And uh, we'll just wait until I get reelected. And that's it. That's 
in some ways, the biggest slam on Keynesian economics is that it doesn't treat government like it's populated by people. Right, right. You know, these are people that have self-interest. They have a job. Right. They want to keep their job, which means they want to get reelected. So the incentives that politicians face are not to, you know, go to Paul Krugman and ask him for how his models say what they should do. That's right. not the way it works. They right. bail out their cronies. Right. And they and then they say, well, it doesn't matter because it's all spending. And that's the danger of Keynesianism. It, it gives politicians an excuse to say, well, I can I can build this bridge to nowhere and I can create these like trout recreational parks or whatever, right. whatever the heck they do <laughs> right. with the stimulus money. Because like 5% of it went to, quote, infrastructure. Right. So who knows where the rest of that money actually went. Right. Right. Besides like the tax rebates. Yeah. So it just becomes a, a system where, again, they, they're able to say, well, we're going to do the spending and it's funneled in certain directions and it creates uh, dis, uh, you know, it creates, uh, you know, an, uh, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm losing the, the thought here, but they create problems in the business cycle by shifting those monies into certain industries that benefit people who supported them to begin with. And happens on the Republican and Democrat side. It happens across the board in the political system. And, and so we see that that process of incentives and all those sorts of things ends up just really coming to sort of continually enslave us through, through taxes and things like that. Now, I did want to mention real quick, as we're ending the break, I'd like to keep you over for a couple minutes after the other sure. break, is why a rap video? Why did you guys land on this idea that that was really what the medium needed to be and the message? Uh, why don't you start into that and, and then... Uh... Well, you know, I think the thing is, is what um, people who, with whom I guess I disagree have always been good at is pop culture. And I think that to me, the battlefield for ideas is in the culture. It's not at the, it's not in the voting booth. It's, we have to, we have to create a, a sense of um, emotional attachment to these ideas. We have to engage people at that level. And music is such a powerful emotional tool. It, you know, it, it gets you moving, it gets your foot, you know, moving. Right. And so it, get, it gets to your heart. And to, for me as a filmmaker, I see that power of a narrative. I see that power of emotional connection, even if it's comedic, even if it's sort of bizarre and, and like, a, you know, this sort of playful thing. Right. But I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the way we make the society move forward. Yeah. Culture leads political change. Political change doesn't lead culture. And we want to talk more about that, about how we can use media to get the message of freedom and liberty out to the people in America. We're going to we're gonna continue with John Fapola. This is Jason Rink with Live Free Now, and we'll be right back. Attention Big Talker listeners. Want to get the real information on the agenda behind the Obama administration's policies? Brave New Books, Austin's own fiercely independent bookstore, has the resources you need to understand the Federal Reserve, international banking, and the forces behind President Obama. 
Brave New Books is located a block south of UT at 1904 Guadalupe Street. Contact us at 480-2503 or at bravenewbookstore.com. Hey, Jason, did you know that the dollar of today is worth only three cents compared to the dollar of 1913? Yeah, I heard that same thing. Why is that? Well, in 1913, the Federal Reserve Bank was created and given the power to create infinite money out of thin air. Oh, so the more dollars that are created, the less my dollars are worth. Isn't that what inflation is? Precisely. So what's a guy to do? Well, Jason, for the past year, I've been buying silver, and i got to tell you, it's one of the best investments I've ever made. I'm sold. Tell me where I can get this silver. Well, I go to Capital Coin and Bullion. It's located on 7304 Burnett Road, right next to the Ichiban Sushi and just south of Genie Car Wash. They always have great deals on silver, gold, and rare coins of all sorts. Can I call them to get more information? You sure can. You can contact Capital Coin and Bullion at 512-371-5884. Ask for Chad or Becky. So that's 512-371-5884? That's correct. Well, I'm going to stick it to the Federal Reserve. I'm going to Capital Coin and Bullion today. Be sure to tell them Live Free Now sent you. Welcome back. This is Jason Rink here at Live Free Now, the news, views, and tools you can use to live a more free and prosperous life every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. on 98.9. We do have too much government news coming up at the bottom of the hour, brought to you by Enterfood, enterfood.com, our great sponsor of this show, among other sponsors. And we do have a few minutes left with John Popola. If you want to give a call, 512-458-TALK, we'd be happy to take your call today. We were talking about media and and culture and using you know new media to reach the culture and using pop culture to reach younger people with these ideas. And John, you know, people are more open to learning about economics and the economy because the economy's so bad and it's been so bad for so long and especially a lot of college age students who you know, they got their $40,000 in debt and they got their piece of paper and they're moving back in with their parents. So, uh, you know, just continue on this idea on the importance of, of, you know, media and pop culture to get these messages out there. Only 40000 in debt? I guess they went to a community <laughs> yeah, college. <laughs> yeah, in-state tuition, right? <laughs> yeah. um, well, I, you know, so again, I, I had this punishingly long commute in New York City every day, which is, so I started reading about these things and I did start reading books like Road to Serfdom. And um, and textbooks and, you know, watching actual like college classes on my iPhone. Right. Uh, but most people, luck- luckily, don't have to in- enjoy public transit. They drive in a car for less than 30 minutes to their job. So, you know, they're not going to read The Road to Serfdom. And, and, you know, I mean, it's tough reading. It's not, you know, and, and, and in some ways, some of these ideas can be condensed into a, into a relatively straightforward explanation that's a lot shorter than reading a giant tome. Right. And, and connected would, with current events. Yeah. And, I, you know, you want to put this stuff in context. You want right. to say, like, I mean, you know, you don't want to read a book that's all about why Germany went from being sort of like a progressive state to a totalitarian one. Right. You want to read about why is it that everybody in the Obama administration seems to have gotten it 180 degrees wrong on the economy. Yeah. Um, and continue to. And so, um, and why President Bush, for example, was no better. Right, exactly. So it's, you know, why, why do these people get it, get it wrong? Um, and, and to me, pop culture just sticks out as that's a place where you can engage people 
and and use all of these great tools we have of of entertainment and technology and and uh, and music and visuals and fun and and, and short segments that are easy to digest that you can watch multiple times that you can watch on your smartphone and and people are transporting you know the the vehicle of media with them everywhere they go i mean one of the things that was amazing i noticed was that the difference in a year between you know because on youtube you can watch the statistics and see where people are viewing your video so fear the boom and bust which was our first video that has the two and a half million views um that was mostly shared in Facebook, but Fight of the Century, which just came out in April and now has almost a million, um, the number one viewing platform was actually mobile devices. Wow. So the amount of, I mean, this is exactly what free market economists are always talking about. It's creative destruction. You know, the world is a dynamic place. People invent new ways of doing things and they destroy jobs as they do it. So the guy that used to deliver ice, that job doesn't exist. Right. But there's- a hundred million more people in the refrigerator business than there ever was in the ice truck delivery right. business. So it's, you know, the greatest resource is the human mind. Right. It's not, you know, stuff you dig out of the ground. Yeah. It's you know. the infinite resource. Yeah. I mean, you know, the native Americans didn't have anything to do with oil. Oil wasn't a natural resource to primitive people. Right. It's only when people's ingenuity is brought to bear and that's, you know, cuts back to that heart of why it is. Why is why doesn't spending generate prosperity? And it's because that's not where this stuff starts. It starts with your creativity and starts with creating creating something new. Right. Um, so that's what we tried to do with the videos is create something new and to impact the conversation and to impact understanding. And I think one of the neatest things that I've experienced with this whole project is we it's getting used in in schools like crazy. And we're getting... Um, emails every week from from teachers all over the country. And these are not free market ideologues. These are just high school teachers, college professors who want to try to get their kids to take notice and be excited about these ideas. And this gives them a way to do it. And we, we you know, the other thing I didn't mention is, you know, we do treat canes fairly. Like it's accurate canes in, oh, yeah. in our videos. And, and I think that matters. I don't think hacking it up and bashing your, the people that, you know, have a different point of view in the world than you get you very far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you, you said it is, you know, people are, are looking and teachers are looking for unique ways to get information and to get their students to think and to learn and, and new media is enabling that to happen and, and projects like what you guys have put together, which is actually a pretty long video in comparison, you know, you can find a lot of five, three to five minute videos and that's like a 10 minute video. Both of them are around that. And so, you know, I really commend you on that work. Now, uh, you just moved down here to Austin. You want to talk a little bit about your, your company down here and uh, plug any websites that, that people can go to to find out more about what you're doing? Yeah. So, you know, as you said before, I spent the past 10 years working. I was a creative director at Spike TV and uh, Nickelodeon and, and MTV. And, you know, when, when these ideas just took hold of me and when these videos turned out to be successful, I said, well, we've got something here. We've got it. We've got to, we've got to ride this wave and we've got to try to keep making an impact. So we, myself, my partner, Josh Myers, and my wife, who's also a partner, Lisa Versace, she's a producer. Uh, we met at Nickelodeon. We created a company. It's called Emergent Order which is a concept that's very much out of the world of Hayek. Right. You know, think if you, you know, if you, you watch a school of fish and notice how they have a pattern that seems to look like it's designed. Right. There's no leader. It was not designed. The order emerges. 
And that's our society. That's our economy. That's reality. It's nature. It's an evolution. And so that was a concept that we really thought made a lot of sense and we really embraced. So we named our company that. And it's a new, new media production company. And so we said, well, where are we going to, we don't need to be in New York City anymore, which if, uh, you know, if you just, the Mercatus Center, Mercatus.org uh, just put out their, their 2011 edition of like freedom in the 50 states. So New Jersey and, and New York are number 49 and number 50. <laughs> uh, number 40, 48 is uh, California. Right. No surprise. No, yeah, no, notice a pattern there as far as governance. Right. Uh, so we said, you know what? We don't really need to live in a police state that takes just about as much of our income and productive resources as they possibly can get a hold of anymore. So where are we going to go? And we said, well, Austin is real cool. Yeah. Got filmmakers, got creativity, got great Good. music and, and, and just was an awesome city. And we just fell in love with it when we came down here and we said, you know what? Let's do this. So, so we moved the company down here. That's great, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to be doing. So emergentorder.com is your website. Econstories.tv is the other website. And uh, so, John, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Uh, we are just going to finish up with a quick segment of Too Much Government News. Too Much Government News. <laughs> I love that little ditty. So too much government news brought to you by Enterfood.com. Enterfood, your source for organic, green, nutritional drinks, coffee substitutes, coconut milk, and all sorts of other wonderful things. We'd like to thank Enterfood for supporting this show. You need to check them out. There's a coupon for 10% off at livefreenowradio.com. That's Enterfood.com. Oak Park woman faces 93 days in jail for planting vegetable garden. This is uh, out of Oak Park, Michigan. And it turns out that growing uh, some tomatoes and cabbages and whatever else you grow up there in Michigan is not a good idea to do in your front yard because if you do, you can come face to face with the heavy hand of too much government. It turns out that the city of Oak Park has a a little uh, policy that says that you have to only have certain types of things in your front yard. Uh, specifically, they say you have to have suitable plants and live material. Now, they don't really define that, but apparently in your front yard, a organic garden of you know foods that you can eat is not suitable. That does not qualify as something that you can plant on your own property in a city in Michigan anymore. And in fact, if you disobey your warnings from government, well, they might slap you with a 93 days in jail for planting that vegetable garden. And so I'm going to encourage you today to do a little bit of civil disobedience. If you have a front yard that is, uh, you know, gets good ample sunlight, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and plant that vegetable garden out in your front yard because I think it would be great for people all over this country to just jam up the court systems with uh, these frivolous fines and 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 criminal penalties for for growing garden food. So anyway, that is our too much government news for the day brought to you by interfood.com. I want to thank you for joining us today. This is Live Free Now. We're here every Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, again, you can catch our podcast on livefreenowradio.com and you can listen to us from 2 to 3 p.m. every Saturday and Until then, 
We encourage you to live free, Austin.